Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Our text of scripture today comes from Galatians, the first chapter, beginning with the 11th verse. And in this text, we hear Paul, who doesn't talk very often about his conversion experience, but here he does. I invite you to listen for God's word as it comes to us from Galatians. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed to me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard, no doubt, of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who had set me apart from before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me. But I went away at once into Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other apostle except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard it said, the one who formerly was persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we do come before you. We know that you are a God who often interrupts and interferes in our lives. We ask that now as we wipe the sleep from our eyes and open our ears, that you would speak to us as only a living God can. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. Life, the journey of life, certainly has its twists and turns. We can be headed in one direction in life at one time, and all of a sudden we find ourselves moving in a surprising and different direction. This summer, during our travels throughout the country, we found ourselves in Missoula, Montana, on one particular weekend for a family wedding. We rented a car for the four-day weekend of festivities, and on Friday, Friday morning, there was a plan for the wedding party and friends and family, at least some, to play golf together at a local golf course in Missoula. My wife Lynn was not going to be playing golf, but wanted the car, so she was going to drop me at the golf course the next morning. So the night before, we were in the car 
and she was programming her GPS on her phone with the address for the hotel so she could find her way back to the hotel. She entered the address for the hotel just as we were pulling into the parking lot and hit go. And the first thing we heard was, you've arrived at your destination. We knew we were all set for the next morning. But I couldn't help but think a little bit about how many people have experienced life in some way where they've heard, you've arrived at your destination, only to say, what do you mean? I don't ever remember entering this destination in my life. I never intended to end up here. When did I indicate that this was the destination I wanted to arrive at? In the words of Alan Saunders, who was quoted by John Lennon in his song, Beautiful Boy, life is what happens to you while you're making other plans. Welcome to Holland is by Emily Pearl Kingsley. She writes about how easily we become disoriented in life when the unexpected happens. And in this case, it was when she was the parent, became the parent of a child born with a disability. Parents can often find themselves arriving at destinations they never intended. Kingsley writes, it's like this. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks, you make wonderful plans, the Colosseum, the Michelangelo of David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian, it's all very exciting. And after months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives, you pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. And the flight attendant comes on and says, Welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. All my life I've dreamed of going to Italy, but here's a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland, and there you must stay. So you must go out and you have to buy new guidebooks and you must learn a whole new language and you'll meet a whole new group of people that you would never have met. It's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy. It's less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there a while and you catch your breath and you look around, you begin to notice that Holland has windmills. Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is coming and going from Italy. And they're all bragging about the wonderful time they've had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never, ever go away because the loss of that dream is very significant indeed. And then Kingsley concludes her written piece. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, 
you may never be free to enjoy the very special and the very lovely things about Holland. You've arrived at your destination. What? I'm supposed to be in Italy, not Holland. And quite possibly this morning you may be thinking about your life right now and how it feels and you may feel as if you've arrived in some other country or some other destination that you intended. Throughout this summer we've been exploring the foundations of life and we've been looking at the stories of biblical characters to learn what we can about how God establishes faith in our lives, and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our lives. And people throughout the biblical stories and throughout the stories represented in this sanctuary today adapt to all kinds of things beyond their control as God intervenes and intercedes and interferes in our lives. Now, the Apostle Paul certainly is one of the most dramatic of those interrupted journeys. His conversion to Christian faith is one of the more familiar stories in the New Testament. It's as if on one day Paul's GPS simply rerouted him in a completely different direction, a completely different destination. We even use expressions like a Damascus Road experience to describe any remarkable change in perspective. Paul was a persecutor of the early church. He was educated in the rabbinic tradition at the feet of the great Gamaliel. He may well have served on the Sanhedrin with his teacher. The Sanhedrin was the highest Jewish assembly for government in the first century. He was a religious superstar among the Jewish people. And there's some indication in Acts of the Apostles that he may have even been present at the stoning of the very first Christian martyr, Stephen, that's recorded in that book. Our text in Galatians tells the story of Paul's conversion in his own words, but it's in Acts of the Apostles that we get a more dramatic retelling of that story on the Damascus Road, written by Dr. Luth, Luke, the physician who wrote Luke in Acts. But here we have Paul's own description of that 180-degree turn. And he concludes, the man who formerly was persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Now, it's interesting in this letter to Galatians, Paul is confronting the young church with some of the harshest language he's going to use anywhere in the New Testament. You foolish Galatians, he writes, who's bewitched you? If anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let that one be accursed. In other words, let them go to hell. Strong language. New Testament scholar Christian Becker writes about Paul's conversion this way. 
The gospel for Paul is not contracted to a personal subjectivism that would reduce his preaching of the gospel to a pious retelling of his conversion experience. Moreover, the gospel is not primarily an intra-psychic phenomenon that limits itself to the conversion of individual souls. Climbing out of a lost world into the safety of the church like drowning people climb aboard a vessel. Rather, the gospel proclaims this new state of affairs that God has initiated in Christ. One that concerns the nations and all of creation. Individual souls and their experiences are only important within that worldwide context and for the sake of the world. Christ, as the object and the content of the gospel, is not simply the means for individual holiness and private experiences. Rather, he remains the transcendent Lord and judge over all people's experiences. Paul writes in Romans, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. And thus, Paul's conversion experience is taken up and absorbed by God's redemptive purpose for the whole creation. You see, I sometimes think we come to church to find inspiration for our lives. We tend to focus on our own individual holiness and our private experiences of God but God is much more interested in that. We string together spiritually enriching experiences that we hope will take our breath away, that will inspire us. But God is interested in more than simply our personal fulfillment. God's redemptive purpose in the world is meant to absorb our lives until we become part of God's own plan. We become extension of God's own love for this whole creation, especially to those who are closest to and with. You see, God intends to use our lives, yours and mine, where we work, where we live in our homes, in our classrooms, on the airplane, when you're out with friends, when you confront some needy person on the street, God intends to use us and calls us into service. We're called to represent Christ in everything we do. So for Paul, there's a coherence between his experience of Christ and his thought, his knowledge of Christ. God doesn't leave any of us to pursue superficial goals in life that leave us empty, ultimately, without providing opportunities for us to change. When we start down some road that leads to some disaster, like cheating on exams, or use of drugs and alcohol, or unfaithfulness, or dishonesty, or 
betrayal or bigotry, before we hear those words, you've arrived at your destination, there's a wake-up call. The Spirit nudges us. There's an opportunity for us to take some other path, some other direction that we've put ourselves on by the choices and the decisions we've made. We're encouraged to make better choices. We sometimes need that intervention of God in our lives to bring them into coherence with God's redemptive purposes. Our own conversions to faith, however dramatic they may have been or how undramatic they may be, get taken up and absorbed in God's redemptive purpose for all life. So what change in direction is needed in your life today? I'll bet you already know. And I bet you're trying to convince yourself otherwise. If you're like me. What argument is going on in your head today with yourself? And where is the Lord in all of that? How is God seeking to interrupt your journey and redirect you so that you don't find yourself hearing those words, you've arrived at your destination, only to do so with bitterness and regret? See, Paul, in his own writings, is not primarily interested in his conversion. He's much more interested in his calling. His conversion, while personally important, was not the main point. God claimed him as his own and sent him into the world as a servant, as a witness to the incredible grace of God. And the power of that grace to reshape human life, to reshape all life. In the next chapter, in chapter 2 in Galatians, he'll write, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me and gave himself for me. At the core of Paul's life Christ has taken up residence and it shapes everything he does and thinks. And he invites all of us to see ourselves not only as converts to faith in Christ, like those rescued from drowning to a safe vehicle of the church, but to see ourselves as agents of that reconciliation too. Motivated at the core of our lives by God's transcendent love for us, but not only for us, God's transcendent love for all. Now, I think most of us probably spend too much time worried about whether we're holy enough, whether our private lives are up to at least minimal standards. But the real question seems to be whether Christ lives in us so that we're beginning to act more like him. We're beginning to look more like him, 
whether we're continuing to try and maximize the quality of our lives by what we purchase, what we own, or the pictures we post on social media. We string together spiritual experiences in the hopes of a fulfilling life. This past week, I had the opportunity to interact with Reverend Jessica Vaughn Lower, who is preparing to move to San Marino. Her family has already arrived here recently so that their children, their two children, Marlo and Levi, could begin the school year here at Valentine Elementary School. Jessica is concluding her work at the church in Waco, Texas, and will join us here in September. But she used an expression in one of her emails that I found compelling. She described the journey that she and her family are on as a long road to a new life. They drove from Texas to San Marino with many of their possessions in a rental truck in their car so that the family could begin the school year. A long road to a new life, indeed. It's maybe a good description of what the Christian life really is. It's always a long road to a new life. Paul began that journey long ago on his way to Damascus in a surprising way. Whether you're thinking about starting that journey or maybe you've started that journey long ago but are in need of some new energy or to continue the journey, Maybe you've lost your way in the press of life or become tired of the distractions that only provide momentary relief on your journey. Listen for the voice of the Lord and follow where that voice leads you. It may interrupt your plans, but it may just lead to you to a future with hope and without bitterness or regret. It is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. Thanks be to God. Amen.